What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the True North Racing Podcast brought to you by Joe Media Promotions. This week on the podcast, we are sitting down with the former driver, the number 48 Superstock, and the rookie in the Super Stock, and the Pro League model in 2021 here, Colton Everham. We got him to talk about how he started in racing, uh, his worst wreck in 2019 there, and as well, he took some time and answered some fan questions as well. And of course, guys, because we had a full race weekend, we are coming back to you with the CVM rundown as well as the uh, Jumbo Media driver lineup. But of course, before we jump into this week's episode, we're going to have a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Jumbo Media and Promotions. Let's go! All right, everyone, just before we jump into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about our presenting sponsor, Jumbo Media and Promotions. Jumbo Media provides race-ready promotions to bring you and your team to the next level. We provide weekly updates as well, providing off-season, mid-season, end-of-year write-ups for your team. On top of the write-ups, we have photo and video opportunities as well. For more information, contact us at jomopromos at gmail.com. That's J-O-M-O-Promos at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and follow us at Jomo Media. Alright guys, we are coming back to you with, of course, our little introduction here. Um, hopefully you all had a good weekend. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time going back to Flamborough Speedway with the Young Drivers Canadian Vision Modifieds. Um, we were in double features on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. Um, some good, good hard racing. Holy crap, was it good. Um, start to finish in that first feature um, was absolutely insane. Um, yeah, it, oh man, I, 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 I had my GoPro in Joe Arsenal's car. Um, we should have a vlog out for him sometime this week. I'm hoping Wednesday night at the latest, uh, but please be patient um, as I still got to put it together. Hopefully, I will get it done while I'm uh, just shortly after I'm done recording everything for this podcast. Um, he went for two spins. He caught, um, a, a, a f- oh my goodness, a, a terrible, terrible wreck there on the front stretch in the second feature um, with Doug Hood and uh, Mike Westwood. Doug Hood got loose coming off of four. Mike Westwood had nowhere to go as he came low and Doug came across the track. They touched wheels. Doug looked like he saved for a hot second and then boom, right into the outside wall, tore up his right front. Um, whereas Mike Westwood in the 33 car slid through the infield, uh, <laughs> uh, stopping about 10 feet from me, man, was that wild. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, we're going to do our CVM rundown here, uh, of course, something new we're, we're starting, um, and it help, it's helped promote the, the, the Young Drivers Canadian Vision Modifies. Uh, I'll give you the full rundown of both divisions. Um, or, sorry, not both divisions, both features on Sunday night, or Saturday night, Jesus. Um, we have a full write-up on our website, www.vintagemods.com. You can go check it out there. Um, but here we go with our CVM rundown. In feature number one... Mike Pod took the W with Quinn Murdoch, Jake Gilbert in third, uh, TJ Marshall finishing fourth, Ricky Williger in the eight finishing fifth, Brian Pachetti in the 62, Joe Arsenal in the 17, Steve Murdoch in the 42, the 38 of Doug Hood, the 30 of Dale Lucas, the 18 of Jeremy Riopel, the 44 of Connor Ross, the 24 of Rodney Rutherford, the 15 of Mike Westwood, and or sorry, not the 15, the 33 of Mike Westwood, and the 19 of John Carley. Um, John crossed the line in second, uh, but was unfortunately disqualified. Um, so he got put at the back end of that one. 
In the second feature, uh, Jeremy Riopel started on the pole, led, I believe, almost every lap. Uh, he took home the W in feature number two, replacing his um, under-the-weather Jared Morphy. Jake Gilbert, hard, hard fought him. Uh, Jake Gilbert actually won the overall um, points on the night. The, cha uh, the, the, the He won the trophy from the track that night. Joe Arsenal crossed the line in third. Mike Westwood, fourth. Dale Lucas, fifth. Brian Pichetti, sixth. Connor Ross, seventh. Quinn Murdoch, eighth. Doug Hood, ninth. TJ Marshall, tenth. John Carley in the 11th spot. Steve Murdoch in the 12th. Ricky Williger in the 13th. Mike Pod in the 14th. And unfortunately, Roddy Rutherford did not make the call and had a, did not start. Um, but he rounded our 15-car field on Sunday night. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, there's a pileup on, on lap one. Um, it was absolutely uh, crazy. Um, Doug Hood uh, was on the outer, outer side. Um, Steve Murdoch came in a little hot from what I'm seeing from video. And uh, uh, eight cars uh, were stuffed into the outside wall there. Um, and uh, it just it turned turn, turn three into a, a, a parking lot out there. Um, we're going to miss the video on that one because Joe Arsenal made a pass and got into second and was ahead of all that um, prior to that happening. But there is some GoPro footage GoPro footage of it out there with our uh, other media guy for the club, uh, Matt McKegg. Um, so hopefully we, we see all the video from that one. Uh, if you guys don't know, you guys can make your own decisions on that as well. Um, the Jumbo Media lineup. Uh, oh, man. I forgot where some of these guys finished. Uh so we first off we had uh, Chase Mitchell driving the 73 for the MRC uh, racing team. Uh, Megan Mitchell and her brother Chase both share the ride. So of course I can't help one without helping the other in this case. Um, Chase started 11th in his first race and worked his way up to a top 10, finishing seventh. And in his second feature, uh, he started 11th and man did he work his way up. He finished in the fourth place with a top five. So you cannot complain with a top 10 and a top five all in one night. Uh, good, congratulations, Chase, on that one. Um, our next driver up is Caitlin Wallace. She finished the night with a sixth and a seventh place um, in both her races. Um, congratulations to Caitlin on uh, uh, two top 10 runs there. Unfortunately, up at uh, Sunset Speedway there, Madison T and Camp. I really hope I said that last name correctly. And her number nine Mustang, uh, after her second practice, uh, it appears that a um, uh, something was amiss with the motor. Um, so they parked it, and they're going to get it fixed up for next weekend's race, July 10th, at, Flint, or, sorry, at Sunset Speedway. Um, Ohana Acres Racing w took their two cars down to Southern Ontario Motor Speedway, where they... It appears that the uh, 92H of Ryan Houston uh, had an issue as well in his feature race. And he had to pull off, um, I believe, Mark McDonald and the 2M finished just in, uh, just in front of him. Uh, judging by the video I just watched uh, from Southern Ontario Motor Speedway. Um, heartbreaking for them. They're such a great team. I'm sure they'll be back at it again next weekend or the next time they head out back out to the track. Um, but that has been your Joe Media Rundown. Thank you to all the teams who are working with Joe Media this summer. Um, you guys are all amazing. Um, but of course, guys, you guys are done probably hearing me talk. So why don't we jump into this week's episode with the with Colton Everham? So let's sit back, relax, and let's go racing. 
All right, guys, this week on the True North Racing Podcast, we are sitting down with Colton Everingham. Colton, how are you? Not too bad, man. Just uh, finished up in the shop here. We're uh, we're looking forward to getting into the pro late now. So nice. What did you uh, what did you race this weekend? Uh, I raced a mini stock that uh, I'm doing a big charity thing for uh, Melissa Bowen and CMHA and donating all the purse money and stuff to the mental health association. So uh, we were running that and finally started figuring out all the bugs until about five laps into the feature. And then we ended up blowing it up. Oh man. That's definitely not fun. No, no. Um, so obviously now your attention is being focused over to the pro late. Eh? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Nice. You excited to get behind the wheel of that or have you gotten a chance to get behind the wheel of it yet or no? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We uh, we went to go testing a couple weeks there, and then as we were loading it up, it started pouring rain, and then we were going to race the opening night at sunset there, and uh, it obviously got rained out. So I want to get a the, – this coming weekend, a Saturday, will be our opening night with it, and then once we get some more seat time in it, we'll probably do some APC and traveling around in it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so let's start back in – Tell us how you got involved in racing and how you how you got a uh, how how the bug kind of bit you to get into racing. Uh, well, my my dad, my my grandpa, and my pop all raced uh, pre years I was born, and then my dad raced up until two thousand one for about eighteen years, and then um, we were bugging them and bugging them and bugging them to get back into it, and in two thousand and nine, I believe it was, he bought another it was a challenger back then, but it was a late they, It was considered as a late model. And he raced that for a bit and had that sitting there. And in 2013, I said to my dad, I'm like, Hey, I want to race. I said, we got the, the old challenger there. Let's convert it over into super stock. So he jumped straight into the super stock back in 13, I believe it was. And yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it'd be 13. Cause this will be my ninth year racing and start out in there and just, you know, I, I grew up around the racetrack my whole life for literally like 24 years of my life. So it's uh, it's definitely been in the blood for the family. And yeah, that's just kind of how we got involved. Nice. So obviously you've been racing for a long time, I guess, up at Sunset Speedway. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we travel around as much as we can. Um, yeah. I mean, like I live five minutes away from Sunset. So it's, uh, it's a lot nicer leaving at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night and driving five minutes down the road instead of a couple hours. Yeah, I feel that one. Back in the day, I used to uh, I, I used to crew for David Elliott, and uh, my stepdad is that was the um, not only was the crew chief but also was the hauler driver. So not only did we race down at Delaware Friday nights, I get picked up about two o'clock in the afternoon. By the time we get home, it was like one two o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> those late nights were not fun. No, no, there. But you know, we're all passionate about this stuff, so exactly if, if we're pulling on late nights all the time for it we're gonna we're gonna do it because it's something that we love doing right exactly um so obviously jumping right in the super stocks did you have a big learning curve or did you get a lot of seat time prior to get yourself acclimated with the with the super stock uh yeah i honestly i, I had no seat time jumping into it. i never raised any go-karts or anything I, I played a lot of like uh like soccer and basketball and football when i was younger and yeah I was, I wish I, you know, I was, I was always bugging to get put in a race car, but just the way things were going back then, it wasn't financially, um, it didn't financially make sense to jump into that stuff. So I, uh, 
my first actual time in the super stock was the opening night. Um, we had just, there was a lot of issues with it, trying to get it ready to go and stuff was breaking and, you know, it was just my dad and I working on it. So we were still learning on what to do and converting it over was a big task. So my sister, my sister was actually racing at the same time. She had a four cylinder and I just go in there and practice going around the racetrack and kind of feeling out what the track's going to do. They're two completely different cars, obviously, but yeah. That's uh, that, that was pretty well up to the seat time. And, you know, we just went out there every Saturday and I tested a little bit during the week just to get more and more seat time. But, you know, that's kind of how that all started. Nice. So obviously jumping right into it, a big learning curve, no seat time. Were you quick on the jump or were you one of these guys who kind of slowed down and kind of rode around a little bit? Um. It was, it was definitely a learning curve uh we were definitely not you know we didn't we didn't have a new motor like the motor that was in the car was from 2001 and never been refreshed or anything and then um we yeah like i literally it, it took me a lot to be where i am now i feel as a driver you know like it it, it definitely didn't happen overnight it took a lot of a lot of seat time and laps and learning from you know a few drivers there like back Back when I first started racing, I was asking probably about 50 different drivers on what to do. Now I just kind of, if I have any questions, I just stick to my cliche of people because it's, you know, a lot of people, once you start doing good, they don't like giving you any pointers or teaching you anything because yeah. they don't want you to beat them. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a big learning curve. You know, we made a lot of rookie mistakes and, you know, we learned from them and I'm a, I'm a big people person. I don't like when drivers and other people are pissed off with something I do. So I like, uh, I like trying to be as respectful as I can and race everybody how I want to race. Hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. No, for uh, sure. So how, so that first season, how well did you do? And obviously you learned a lot because you're one of the, probably the best super stock drivers I've, I've seen wheel a car um, in recent years. So obviously how did that first year go for you? Um. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Like you said, we had a lot of rookie mistakes. Like, uh, there's, um, a guy that I grew up with, Nick Tooley. We, uh, we both started racing the super stocks at the same time. So, and our dads used to race against each other. So it was like a big family, not feud, but it was, uh, I think our parent, like my dad and his dad wanted us to race each other, how they raced each other and win races and, you know, and beat and bang. And Nick and I were just, just logging laps and having fun and it started getting a lot more competitive like we uh we kept blowing up motors and you know he had issues and they're able to get another car we were battling for rookie of the year just between the two of us and you know we i think we lost by like five points to him and it's you know still to this day he still gives me the jabs and you know <laughs> <laughs> pours the salt in the wound but yeah i know the first year was definitely uh it was a huge eye opener. It was pretty cool going into, into high school racing cars up at sunset and having people, you know, like a lot of my friends be like, Oh, that's really cool. And like, they'd all come hang around and just want to check out the car and stuff. So it was definitely not, it was definitely better than I expected, you know, cause not many people get the opportunities that I've had in my life. And a lot of people that are racing have in their life, but uh, you know, we, we learned and learned and learned and eventually got to, you know, be a half decent driver. Yeah. 
so when did, what when did you end up getting your first win? Your first um, feature win. Oh, my first feature win was four years after I, I I had my dad's first car for the first two years I raced, and then okay. I bought a car off of uh, Steve Cashmore. I raced that for two more years, and I I finally said to my mom, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm losing losing interest in it, and I'm and it really sucks because you know I I I'm so passionate about racing and passionate about you know like all the fans and. And just the support from them are phenomenal. So I was talking to my mom about it over the 2016 off season. I said, like, I don't want to race anymore unless, you know, we get a new car because, you know, we go to Peterborough where it's not so much of who's got the most money. It's more so of a driver's track and we run, you know, sixth place at Island Colors and, you know, out of 46 cars is like a win to me. And then, you know, we go to Sunset and we can't get, you know, better than a 10th place finish. And, uh, so we, in 2017, we built the new car from streamline race products and, and that was Canada day weekend was the first race we won, um, back in 17. And then, yeah, we just picked away at, but we won two features the last four years, like each year. And, uh, yeah, that's, that was my first step or that was my first win was in 17 there. Nice. I'm sure coming on, uh, around Canada Day, there that was uh, that had to have been a pretty cool uh, uh, feeling there, right? Eh? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty cool. Like you know, we were we're a family run team. You know, a lot of people think that you know we got some unlimited budget, and you know, just because of the opportunities that I've been able to have in my lifetime here, but you know, they don't realize what goes on behind closed doors and. After our first win, I, I think I, I sat at home for about eight hours whenever all my friends wanted to celebrate and stuff, and I just stared up, and I couldn't believe that, you know, after years and years and years of trying, we finally were able to pick one off on a on an awesome day, Canada Day. Yeah, that that I can only imagine the kind of feeling that would be to not only get your first win, but, like, get it on Canada Day. That, that seems uh, pretty spectacular in, in, in itself. In itself. Um so then obviously I believe 2018, if I'm not mistaken, you end up winning the super stock championship up, up at sunset. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that season go for you? <laughs> that was a, that was a good season. You know, we, uh, we stayed consistent. You know, we, uh, it was, like I said, it was just a family run team. You know, Sean, Sean McWhorter was a big part of my success in that year. Yeah. You know, he, he was very happy with like our progress of the of a driver and, you know, performing well on his first car that well, one of his first cars that he built. And so he was really he was probably the one that was the biggest one pushing for me to win this championship. And, you know, we have we had like one or two nights we struggled pretty bad and um, we ended up going into championship night five points out of the lead. And uh I, you know, I said, I just looked at all like my crew guys and I said, whatever happens, happens. We're here to have fun. You know, we, we made a name for ourselves this year. And, um, in the first two heat race, we canceled each other's out, like myself and Stefan Samarero were the one and two. And, uh, we can't ended up canceling each other's points out and that. So we went into the feature five points behind and, and I just, I raced my heart out, you know, I, I raced as smooth as I could and, you know, not make stupid mistakes. There was some, some tough cars to pass for some reason, but, uh, you know, we just 
rode behind them and waited until him and another one or a couple of them made a mistake and um, just picked away and picked away. And we ended up coming out tied as uh, tied with Stefan. And uh, after tech and everything, they had to calculate all the points and we ended up winning it from uh, most feature wins. So that was, oh, wow. uh, it was pretty cool. You know, like my, my dad, my grandpa, my papa never won a championship. So it was pretty sweet bringing something back to the Everingham racing stable. I, I can only imagine the, the feeling that uh, your family would have had uh, in celebrating with you on that. Yeah, it was huge. You know, like we were, we, we got a lot of support, like we got a pretty good amount of support with sponsors and stuff, but we are really a, a small funded team, you know, like that year, like I did every, like, that's when my mom said, like, all the reins are on you. Like, this is what you get for sponsorship. Make sure you save her. Cause it's, I'm not putting anything up for it anymore because, you know, as I get older, this is my kind of hobby to do. And she just does it. She just comes to watch and support me because she loves me. And yeah, it's uh, it, that was probably the most coolest thing of my life, you know, doing it legit and, you know, being, uh, not causing too many altercations and just trying to have fellow respect for all my competitors. And, you know, it's, I, it's still surreal to this day, you know, three years later. For sure. And obviously that was a, a NASCAR um, track championship that you got there for, for the super stock division. Um, did you get any special recognition from NASCAR from that or no? Um, so unfortunately the year that we won the, we ended up winning the track championship and the provincial track championship. And because Sobel Speedway at that time was NASCAR as well, we were, uh, there's out of the two tracks, there was supposed to be a little bit more money and stuff. But, uh, the year that I won it, they ended up cutting all the costs back for division two. So I didn't get like in any invites, the uh, NASCAR banquet oh, okay. or yeah. So, but you know, we, uh, it, we, we made it what it was worth, you know, like our, our our crew and you know the families and stuff made a made it a rememberable you know year that we had and you know i dedicated it to them because you know without my crew guys and their families putting up the hours and stuff it would never have been possible oh for sure and and you know like that's that that's obviously when it comes what it comes down to it comes racing is such a family sport that it's uh you know it doesn't matter how many different families y'all are from it's you, you guys are all one connected family in, in a team. Um, but you're, you treat everyone like a family in it. Oh yeah. You, you got it. You know, like these guys are, you know, all my crew guys were putting in, you know, 40 hours a week after their full-time jobs and, you know, spending most Saturdays and some Sundays and, you know, like the long weekends when we do double headers to, to come support me. And, you know, they, they do it all out of pocket just because they enjoy, you know, being yep. involved in a racing team. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's pretty cool. I can't thank those guys enough because like I said, without those guys and, you know, the sponsors and the people in the stands that are, you know, always rooting you on and stuff. Uh, it's definitely not possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're definitely not right. You're good. <laughs> wow. If only I could speak English right there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think after like 30, what, 33 episodes, I wouldn't be able to making these simple mistakes like that. <laughs> um, but anyways, so we're going to jump a little bit. Uh, oh, we're still going to stay behind. We're still going to catch up here to, to obviously the present day. Um, 
I, I'm going to ask this and f- please feel free to tell me to shut the hell up if you, if you want to. Um, you were involved in a wreck at Peterborough Speedway. Was that the end of 2018 or was that the end of 2019? Uh, that was the end of 2019. That was a terrible way to end the year heading into what, what, what was in store in 2020, eh? Uh, it was uh, to this day, I still get, you know, EVGBs about it. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was probably the toughest pill I've ever had to swallow in my life. Um, we work, you know, our team worked so hard to be, be able to be put in a position to, you know, win the autumn colors because to us Canadians and stuff, that's a that's a Super Bowl of short track racing is just to have your name on on the list of the or the list of the drivers and stuff that have won it because it's you know there's no slouch drivers that go to autumn colors and nope. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, the problem was we saved too much. You know, we, we were expecting the race to, you know, be a aggressive race to the end, but we, uh, we, we definitely saved too much because I've always screwed myself over with driving hard off the start and, you know, and then you burn up your tires and you can't get in the position to win. And yeah, that's, uh, that was a, that was a tough way to go out for sure. So why don't we set the stage for everyone here, and then you can kind of tell us uh, uh, what all went down. I believe you guys got the one to go, or the or just before the two to go, or one to go. Um, you and oh damn it, who Dan were you Archibald. battling against? Dan Archibald. Dan Archibald. You guys were battling for the lead, um, and then so we set the stage there. It's it, at Autumn Colors. You know, it's two to go or one to go. Uh, what tell us in your mind what happened going into the final there? Oh boy. Um <laughs> it's uh Peter Speedway is one of the funnest tracks I've ever raced at. It's uh it's a one-lane racetrack. It's uh and like I said, it, it it is a driver's track, but it's also a motor track as well. Like if you got you know, we we always been running crate motors for the last five years compared to the built motors, which obviously and you can you can tell the difference in the power and whatnot. And when you you have a ill handling built motor car, the power makes up for the car not turning as well. And when you have a really good handling car, the crate motor helps, but it's you know it's definitely not like it is with the built motors. So for forty nine laps there, and like I said, it is a one lane racetrack. You, you can you can make the outside work for about one to two laps, but it's it's very, very, very tough, and you better hope the guy on the inside's got a lot of respect for you on the on the outside because the walls there are definitely not forgiven. So, for 49 laps, we I was watching the cars in front of me trying to take the lead, and you know the guy Dan Archibald was running on the bottom for the whole race, so nobody could pass him on the bottom. And once we moved ourselves into second, we really started getting after it, and. And I was just watching and I'm like, God, it's going to, I don't know. I, I don't go anywhere to finish second. I don't, I don't care if that was my mother, I would have done the same thing. And, you know, I, I, if we were in that position tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, I'd do the same thing. Cause like I said, I don't go anywhere. And a lot of guys that are running up front and stuff aren't going anywhere to finish second. And we gave them the bumper going into the corner. Cause that was the only way you're going to be able to pass them. And like I said, it is, it is a one lane racetrack and, he as we got into him he gassed up so i got and he got sideways and i saved him from spinning out so at least i thought like oh 
you finish second instead of finishing last. And we're about 10 car lengths ahead of him going into three and he flat footed me going into the corner and just destroyed the car, you know, it cost $22,000 to fix the thing. So that was definitely one of the most heartbreaks to my whole racing career, you know, destroyed by somebody pulling the pin out of their head. Yeah. I've watched that clip many and many a times and you know, it, it was, uh, I felt completely heartbroken for you because to me, you, you made a clean, uh, bump and run there. And then, you know, just being taken out with just a corner to go is, is never fun. Of course, like you just said, costing you $22,000 in damages to your car. That's that, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, knowing you, you know, it, it, we're all out here to race and and it's a hobby for us. We're not, none of us pretty much are going to go end up end up in NASCAR anytime soon. Um, unless you got a lot of of money backing you and you're running in the States, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it, like I, like I said, man, I felt bad for you. And I, I, the whole time I was like, man, I really hope you're okay. Cause that, that was a, that was a hard, hard hit for you. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I'll never ever take away from my uh, Streamline Race Products and Sean McWhorter. Like he built me one hell of a race car, and it was the, probably the safest race car I've ever been in in my life. And uh, yeah, if it, if it did everything it was supposed to do, yeah, it cost a lot of money to fix it. But I mean, like if if it was like years like or the car the year before or my second car that I have, sorry, yeah, I don't know how well I would have gotten out of the car because you know the the newer cars that they build them they're built up to fold around you and just keep the cockpit you know stationary and so that's less of an impact on your body but the car that I had before and my first car as well it was they're they're built to take a beating you know like they're not they're they're older cars so they're built you know, they want them as strong as they can. So when you're beating and banging at tracks like Peterborough or Flamborough or even Sunset or wherever you're racing, that it's not, you know, taking a clip off if I'm smacking off the wall too hard. And, and uh, that's, uh, I was very, for- as much as it sucked, it was, uh, I'm very fortunate that I was in such a good race car and safe race car. Yeah. How did so my my next question here is how did you feel afterwards and did you feel any pain afterwards or were you able to obviously like you said it's a, it was a safe race car but how did you like obviously you're still gonna feel some but how did you feel the next day? Um, honestly, like from the wreck itself, I don't uh, I don't uh, initially think that there was anything. The first thing I did was I wiggled my toes and my fingers because I, I was in shock that of what just happened and yeah everything everything was moving and I could feel everything still. So when we got out, there was almost an altercation on the racetrack with all the officials holding me back. It was I think that's what did most of the the tenderness the next morning, like my foot and stuff from you know, there's ten of them trying to pull me out of the window. So there's <laughs> when I'm when I'm walking up the hill and pulling all my weight forward and all these guys are trying to pull me back i think you know my torso and my legs and stuff were pretty (laughs) sore from that but other than the wreck like i'm proud i drive like all the race cars that i get into especially when i go to tracks like that i make sure that i'm uncomfortably safe and i the way i mean by that is like i don't care how sore my ribs and stuff are my shoulders from how tight my seat belts are i make sure that I, I shimmy my way down just to keep tightening them up so I don't budge at all when I 
when I get into, you know, when there's a possibility of you getting into a wreck and, uh, that's, that's probably something else that saved me from getting into some serious pain for the next day or a few weeks afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, you, you trying to go after him, you're, you're not a tiny guy to begin with last time I checked. So, um, I, I can I kind of feel that I'm shorter, but I'm stockier. So like, I kind of get that where you're coming from with like having people try to hold you back. It's you almost get in more pain from people trying to hold you back than anything that's really going to happen to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm six foot nine and a half, 340 pounds. So like, I'm not, I'm definitely not a small dude, but yeah, you know, like, and you know, people are talking crap about, you know, what I did and I should never have, you know, got, went to his window and blah, blah, blah. But you know, when you're so passionate about the stuff and you, you know, like with, I was very fortunate with being able to put in hours and stuff at work to be able to pay for it. But like, I'm not, no, I don't have like an unlimited budget race team, you know, yeah. and that stuff, it, it, it hurts the pocketbook when that stuff happens. So that's why, you know, and a lot of people that are in the grandstands, they don't understand that how passionate some people are. And I'm probably one of the most passionate people about racing. And, and I know where I've come from and I know that like nobody knew me before I started racing. And I, I just wanted to make a name for myself and, you know, do I, do I look back on it and think like, ah, what an idiot I was for, you know, I shoved the official out of the way and, you know, said some things over, you know, there's a thousand cameras in your face and you say some stupid stuff over it. But I definitely looking back at that all stuff, like I, I genuinely feel bad, you know, for the young listeners and the people that potentially could look up to me that are young, but when you're, when you're passionate about something and, and, somebody just wants to blatantly destroy you and try to harm you is because, you know, that's exactly what happened there. Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to hold all your emotions and, and everything back. Yeah. And you know what, man, I'm going to tell you this right now. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being passionate about the sport and also passionate and showing your passion, e even if it means, not damaging your image at all, but not I mean hindering it, but kind of uh, uh, the way I look at it, there's nothing wrong with showing your passion in the way you did. Obviously, you know, looking back on it, you, you can say, but it's all in hindsight, right? Um, Absolutely. When, when, it, when adrenaline takes over, it's never, uh, dang, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> it's never a bad thing as long as you can almost harness it kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, man, keep up that passion. Keep up the, the fire you have. Cause that not gonna lie. We need that in this sport. Absolutely. I, uh, I agree. That's why I, I do what I do. And I, you know, like, uh, you know, my, my dad and mom would get not irritated with me, but I go around <laughs> and talk to everybody and just, uh, just because like without, without fans in the stands, like last year kicked everybody's butts, you know, like it, uh, not having fans in the stands for a good portion of the races and you know, you're racing. That's what you do it for. You know, we, we spend all this money that we don't have to impress people. We don't know, you know, to win a, win a dollar store trophy kind of thing. Yeah. And, and without, you know, the atmosphere from the fans is just absolutely remarkable. And, uh, w without those guys and girls and kids and stuff, like it, 
what are you doing it for? You know, like, it, yeah, it's something that we're passionate about what we love doing and it's our hobby, but you know, it, it's stupid. You win a race and you look up in the fans and they're, or in the stands, there's no fans there because of what's going on. And, you know, I get it. I understand, you know, we got to look after everybody first before we worry about, you know, looking up in the stands and seeing a bunch of people there, but yeah, that's just kind of it, man. Yeah. And obviously, you know, like I, like I was saying, that, that was obviously a tough way to head into what, what ended up happening in 2020 with all the pandemic stuff. Um, I, I hate asking this because it's obviously almost a year and a half later. Um, but obviously with, with the COVID shutting everything down last year, what did that do for your race team and in, in, in preparation for the year? Oh, I was, it was brutal. I was spending money thinking that I was going to, you know, my sponsors came back on board and helped as much as they oh, oh, helped as much as they could. And, and, but it, it's hard as a, as a person that, you know, is a, I have phenomenal sponsors. They've done, you know, above and beyond what I could ever expect in life. And, and I, like I said, I'm very, very fortunate, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to ask, especially in, in the crisis that we are going through and what we are going through. It's hard to ask them for, you know, sponsorship money and, and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, my, my sponsors are something else, you know, like they, uh, they want me out there. They, they see how passionate and stuff I am about it. And we're actually going to, I had my super stock sold at, at autumn colors and, uh, and I had to end up giving the guy his money back, but we were going pro lay racing last year. And obviously that didn't work out, but, uh, you know, like it, it definitely, I just, it was, it was hard. I, I said to my dad, I'm like, dude, like, I don't even want to race super stocks anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be spending the money that I'm spending on this thing to, to get it back to where it was because of how good of a car it was and or how good of a car it is, you know, but it's, uh, it was definitely tough. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I, I think I thought I heard something around November, December that you were going to go pro late model racing in 2021. Um, how did that deal come about for you? Um, honestly, I, I mean, like I didn't, I haven't won like huge, huge races, but you know, I, I, I felt like I've done a lot as much as I can in a super stock. And, and I always had these, uh, a passion of racing prolates and stuff because you're able to travel down the States with them. And that's, uh, that's something that I kind of want to do if, you know, we, we get the opportunities is go down there, but we ended up, uh, we got a really good deal with, uh, Rick Walt and Eldon to, to pick up their, one of their prolates that he, he did very well. And then we bought that and, uh, redid everything on it to pretty it up and got it all to kind of how we wanted it. And then we didn't end up fitting in that car and, after we put it all back together and then um, Taylor Holdaway and I are really good buddies. He had a car there that he was racing and he's like, well, come up and see if you fit. So we went up there and I fit in it. So then we worked out a deal on and I ended up buying the car that I have now. Nice. Yeah. So I'm sure you're excited to get behind the wheel of that thing then, eh? Oh, absolutely. I just, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I was really, I was up at Delaware on Monday uh, helping Connor James and Taylor or Taylor hold the way out. And, and then we were back there Friday and I was saying to Taylor, I was kicking myself in the butt that I should have brought pro late, but I don't want to, I don't want to go out there looking like an idiot. So I want to get as much seat time as I can. And, you know, I don't want to, those guys are, 
spending tons and tons of money. I don't want to get in their way or, yeah. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not doubting my driving capabilities, but this is a completely different animal than what I've ever raced in my life. So. For sure. I was, I, unfortunately I wasn't able to make it out to Delaware on Friday night to, uh, to catch that race, but I definitely, uh, watched a lot of it through luckily thank you to g-force for um putting that out on youtube for us to watch that if we were unable to we had a place to watch it um it definitely looked like one crazy hell of a time down at delaware on friday night oh yeah absolutely like i mean like if that was uh, another thing what kept me from racing is because the last apc race that happened at delaware was a gong show and i don't think there was i think there was six or seven cars that finished it so i uh i didn't want to take the car there and potentially have i mean like everywhere you go you can wreck the thing but yeah not for my first race i didn't want to get in playing with the big boys and and something bad happens so hey you know what at least you're saving this the equipment you're you're obviously going to go out to sunset next saturday and uh and run it so that's it gets and log some more laps because that's the way I always look at it is, is the more laps you log before you get into um, running in with those guys, you're, you're, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be spot on with them. No, absolutely. And sunset sound like I've raced there for nine years. So that's something I've had. I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> so, so I, uh, that's, that's something that's what I wanted to do first. You just make sure that no one get make sure all the bugs are out it's a new new to me race car and you know i want to get as much seat time as they can and and hopefully by the next apc race we can go join them or go down to flambrough and support them as well yeah that, that'll be uh that'll definitely be fun uh uh watching you race a pro late down there at flambrough hopefully we have a good turnout this weekend as i'll be back there with the uh uh doing the media for the young drivers can even modify so that's always fun um but right now we're going to jump into our fan question period where of course we uh, get people to uh, submit some qu fan questions throughout the day. Fortunately, I was late on the ball on this one. It took me until about five o'clock to realize I hadn't put it out yet. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we still got about uh, five questions here. Are you ready to answer them? Absolutely. All right. So the first one comes to us from Kyle Steckley and his question is who's your favorite pro late model racer? <laughs> of course Kyle with us uh, no I got a, I got a bunch of them you know like I, I, I love seeing these young kids come up you know, I mean I'm not 50 or 60 years old I'm only 24 <laughs> but I like seeing like Ky, guys like Kyle Steckley and you know Carson Maggie and like those guys coming through the ranks and Connor James it's it's super cool seeing how well of a driver these guys are you know including like Kyle Steckley is just I don't, I don't think he realizes the talent that that kid's got. And, you know, it, it is just, he is a very, very humble kid. So that's probably definitely the, one of the, the first choices that I would have if I was to pick one of the pro late drivers. All righty. And then our second question again, comes to us from Kyle Steckley and he goes, are you coming to Flamborough this weekend? Uh, no, not this weekend. We're going to, we're going to try it at sunset first and, you know, who knows, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to run for a full season at sunset just because uh, I don't want to screw myself out of rookie of the year for next year, but yeah. we're going to run as much as races as we can in the pro late around the province. And, you know, that's going to go to Flamborough and go to, go to Sobble for their invitational there in August and race a couple races with the APC. Nice. 
then our next one comes to us from Laval2525. And he goes, what has been your most memorable moment in your career? Uh, definitely my, uh, my first super stock win, you know, like my, uh, my mom and my dad and like my crew guys were all there and the joy, like my mom was bawling like a, like a sob and she was jumping for joy. And, you know, like we, we worked so hard and just so many man hours and, and time and dedication to the sport just went into our program to be able to be able, be able to put ourselves in a position to win races. And that was that was definitely one of the biggest races of my career, and I'll never, ever forget that day. Nice. And then our next one comes to us from Ray Morneau Jr. And he goes, when is Colton coming to Delaware with the pro late to run fenders? <laughs> um, that's that's something else that I want to try. You know, it's, it's tough because we all work on Fridays, and and that's that's one thing that, is unfortunate but I, I know they are running some saturday races so we got a plan right now i mean like there could be a, a closer closer date to it but on the 25th of september they're doing a long weekend at delaware so we're going to bring the pro late down there that's definitely circled on my calendar already but if uh if the opportunity arises and we have time to go down there and you know the guys are off and we can go you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not just going to go down there with my dad and i so yeah. If uh, if we got the time to go down there beforehand, we'll definitely make it down there to rub some fenders with Mr. Ray Morno himself. You know what? I like I like I completely understand the whole. You know, it's tough getting Fridays off and, and heading down there, and of course, you being up by Barry, that's that's definitely a long trek back after a um, after a long night of racing as it is. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, our next question comes to us from last week's guest. Nicole Stewart and she goes what class is your favorite to run Superstock's always going to have the biggest part in my heart but those bone stock classes are one of the most funnest things ever driven in my life you know like we uh we raced probably about 30 times at Barney last year 30 times I mean we did double features so we did yeah. all those races last year and you know we traveled around with uh uh, Billy Zardo and Steve Duncan let me borrow their bone stock that they have and I literally raced it every weekend that I wasn't racing the super stock or the modified and and then we uh we ended up running the best race in the bone stock was probably I I drove for uh David Rockwood at uh Flambro last year and we uh we had issues through the heat races we had to go through the last chance uh we started 15th in the last chance and by the first lap where, you know, we went three wide through the middle of them all and what got up to fifth and then uh, started 20, 29th in the feature and finished ninth with no caution. So it was, that was those guys, like a lot of people look down on the bone stocks and, and the pure stocks. And, you know, they, they also look down on guys that are racing pro lights and our super stocks or these other classes jumping down, but those guys and girls in the, pure stock class or one hell of a wheel man and woman and uh that was definitely one of the highlight reels of my racing as well with those guys yeah that obviously uh racing the pure stocks definitely look like a lot of fun and, and you know they're they're to me they're kind of like uh i don't i don't know because they, they get called the hobby class but they're kind of like a, a reminisce of the hobby class for me 
where there was a lot of cars out there and they're just out there just to have a blast and run some laps. Oh yeah. Like, like I said, like I, I got off the racetrack and I mean, like I'm very hard on myself as a driver and you know, if I don't win, I'm like, Oh, what did I do wrong? And I look back on stuff, but like, I think that was probably the first time I ever came off the racetrack, not winning a race with a smile ear to ear and saying how awesome it was and seeing like David Rockwood and his old man, running over and saying how cool it was to see their car go through the field like that. And it was just, it was just a freaking blast. Those, like you said, those things don't, they're nothing special about them. They're cages. And, you know, a lot of those guys put a lot of effort and time into it, but you know, they're definitely not like a mini stock or a super stock or anything above that, that turn nice and have good brakes and all this other stuff. So it's, you're, you're going beside somebody smashing the rev limiter just as much as they are. It's, it's, it's just awesome nice so yeah that so anyways that's going to wrap us up for the fan question period of this segment we want to thank colton for answering those questions for us um yeah uh so uh now i'm going to ask you is obviously you ran a lot of super stock races a lot of pure stock races and then almost seemed like out of nowhere i guess you could say here you are going to go running with the oscar modifieds running Wally Wilson's second, uh, second modify there. Um, how did that deal come about for you? Um, uh, Wally and I, it was, it was weird. Like, I don't know if he was a fan of mine or whatever, but like somehow he just popped up on my, on my Facebook. And then we started being friends and he was getting me to spot for him while we were running the super stock. And then after I got wrecked at autumn colors, his dad come over to me and said, uh, I want you to drive my modified. I looked at him. I said, are you crazy? Like I just destroyed my super stock. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you have so much passion and drive to do well and everything you're in. He's like, there's nobody like, well, I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that you put in it, but he said, like, I, I, I just want you to drive it. And I'm like, like, dude, like, I don't know. Like I, I got, I got my own cars and I'm paying for it. So I, I, I want you to drive for me. And I'm like, well, we'll see how that works out over the winter. And then we got talking and, you know, it, it actually came true and, and we picked up one of their modifieds, you know, they got four of them, I believe it is. And did a bunch of work to it and stuff. And, and it was a blast, you know, I can't thank Paul Wilson and Wally Wilson and the whole stable out of them out of Owen's sound enough for the opportunity that they gave me, you know, not many, not many times you're going to get an opportunity for somebody to come up to you and ask them, ask you to drive for them yeah and you know that it, it definitely looked like you were having a blast out there and and obviously between you and wally you guys were having your own little jabs there on social media <laughs> throughout the year um well so obviously uh uh running running the 96 i believe it was what was yeah. that feeling running the oscar modified Honestly, I hope not many modified drivers listen to these. I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't like those cars one bit. I, I got really bad uh, ADHD. So like watching like all the suspension and stuff move while you're driving down the, oh, down the man. track, uh, it, it is just horrendous. They're, I mean, like they're fun to drive. I'd probably never own one. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. We, we struggled for the three races or two out of the three races we were in, but um ah uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> it's definitely one of those you need fenders because you don't need that visual of seeing the shock just sitting there going up and down as you're going down the back stretch or something 
yeah, like I'm staring up at the sun and watching the watching the sun move around while I'm racing just because <laughs> if I start focusing on the wheel, then I'm not paying attention to the guy in front of me. And yeah, it's it's something else for sure. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm not too sure how many modified guys are listening, but uh, hopefully not too many. But Oscar modified is always <laughs> yeah. fun to watch. It's kind of funny because speaking of that, like obviously um, with me doing media for the undrivers came into modifieds. Um, what do you think of those cars? Then if you see the Oscar cool. modifieds, how would you ever get behind the wheel of one of those cars? Then I, I will drive absolutely everything and anything. Somebody gives me the opportunity to drive. Oh, you know, everybody underestimates a six foot nine carcass folding itself into a race car, but, I've been in some pretty tight areas and just to get the opportunity in the seat time and open doors that could or potentially open doors for me. Right. So like I, those CDMs look pretty cool. I, I think that'd be a cool learning experience, but uh, I definitely wouldn't say no. If somebody called me tomorrow and said, Hey, I want you to race for me on one of these races. See, that's okay. So that's where I'm going to say something really there for you is I, I've heard the rumor, or not the rumor, I guess you could say it's uh, someone has said a CVM is, or it's an Oscar modified is like a CVM mixed with a pro late model. And then one nice thing about the CVMs now is that a lot of things you used in your super stock, you can almost now bring to um, bring into the CVMs. So yeah, I, it's, it's not going like, to be much of a difference besides a probably shorter wheelbase. Yeah, like and I'm pretty sure a lot of them run like the inline sixes compared to like in the super stock, we had the 350 Chevy small block. And I know a lot of you're allowed to run the 602s in that yep. as well, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know the comparisons because I think there are least springs in the front as well as the back. Um, just, I was looking at one of them last year at Flambrough and there is some stuff that I think you can relate, but I think every class itself has its different, Oh yeah, you're Herbs not wrong. And, yeah, like different downsides. Like we went in the, we drove for the uh, Bill Zardo and one of their late models and jumped in that thing. And I'm like, what the heck? This is completely different than the super stock. And, and yeah. then even with the modified, jumping in the modified, I'm like, like this is a completely different ball game. You're on bigger tires and bigger carburetors and quick changes. And, you know, there's no ride height rules. So we capitalized on that as best as we could. And, it, it, it's completely different. I, I found, I mean, like I said, I've never driven a CVM yet, but uh, I've definitely found that each class has its own little, little gimmies, you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, I, I know, the, I know of one car you definitely probably would be able to fit into. And that was the 53 of Jeff Kells. Cause he's a, he's a tall guy too. And he's got a roof flap. So you gotta get up on the roof to actually go into the car. Uh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what, Colin, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you for jumping on with us, man. It was a pleasure chatting with you and uh, it was great for you telling you, telling all those stories. I appreciate it. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome to see your podcast and all you get, all the drivers that you're bringing on is pretty cool to see. Thanks a lot, man. Of course. Have a good one. eh? You too. All right. Bye now. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys, that was driving the number 48, I'm assuming 48, Pro Late Model. That is Mr. Colton Everham. Of course, we want to thank Colton for coming on this week. It was a pleasure chatting with him and getting, him, getting to know him some more. 
Um, and hopefully you guys uh, uh, enjoyed his side of the story and, and how he uh, got involved with racing and uh, where he's ended up so far and where he kind of wants to go with it. Uh, once again, guys, thank you to everyone who submits questions each and every week. You guys are all awesome. Thank you for submitting your questions. Uh, it definitely means a lot to me. Um, if you would like to be a featured guest on the show, please reach out to us. Please do not hesitate. Um, I will pretty much talk to anyone who's involved in, in motorsports. And we'll talk about how you guys got got involved and got started. Um, yeah, if you want to if you want to come on the podcast, please reach out. I don't care if you're mini stock, pure stock, late model. Um, if you're West Coast, East Coast, uh, if you guys are listening and would like to jump on, please feel free to reach out to us here at Jomo Media, and we will get you guys uh, hooked up with a um, interview and an episode here on the True North Racing Podcast. Um, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for me this, this week, guys. Um, one thing I want to mention, I didn't mention before we jump into this week's episode was do, 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 do Jomo media merch. Of course, guys, you guys hear week in and week out. If you guys want to help us support us out, head on over to epicracewear.ca, uh, click the driver area up on the top, right. And you guys can go pick up some, uh, Jomo media apparel, same as uh, true North racing podcast apparel, help support the show, help support Jomo media. Uh, pick yourself up uh, a t-shirt or a hat or hoodie. Um, they are some of the most comfortable wares that you guys are going to find, uh, in my opinion. Also, guys, hopefully you guys are checking out the driver's seat. Uh, it'll drop Wednesday. Uh, Caitlin and Megan are back from their weekend with uh, at Flamborough Speedway. We're going to be talking about how their weekend was. And, of course, we're going to throw some new things in there. Uh, please reach out to us um, regarding that show. If you guys like it, let us know. Like, subscribe, comment, as well as like, comment, subscribe about this show. Let us know which one you like more. I'm sure you'll like the the, the driver's seat more. Um, but that's that's just me, guys. Uh, I try and do my best here. Hopefully, you guys enjoy each and every week. But, guys, uh, that's going to wrap it up for me this week. So, once again, my name is John Morrison. You guys are listening to the True North Racing Podcast brought to you by Joe Media and Promotions. And we will see you all next week. Talk to you later, guys.